some cases, like, I understand that we're there to learn. And sometimes being there to learn, asking stupid questions, <laughs> um, can prompt someone who's experienced to think about something in a different way and a new perspective. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll start spark value from that. And I think there is value there. Yep. Um, and I think as a graduate, without a doubt, some days will come out going, what am I contributing here? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, um, it's great to get new perspectives into a company. It's get, great to get people who are going to ask the questions that people probably think they already know the answer to. New year, new goals, and the Pretendineers is back with a boom, and I cannot wait for this year's new year. Twenty nineteen is going to be massive. Hashtag. Cannot exactly. wait. Mate, I have so many ambitious goals for this podcast this year. I'm super excited about it. Um, number one for us, 50 episodes by the end of the year. I don't care how we get there, 50. how it's done. It can be dirty. It can be crazy. We'll be, we'll cheat our way to the top. We're doing 50 episodes the whole way. So 50, that's, that's doozy, man. That's doozy. You're gonna, you might, we might have to find some guest editors or something like that. I don't know. Uh, that's right. Time, but we're, we're getting at 50. We're getting at, do it. All right. So I'll hold you accountable. You hold me accountable. And audience, you hold us accountable as well. 50 episodes. Yeah. First right. goal. Bingo. Done. Bingo. All right. What's, what, what's the next one? Uh, second one definitely would have to be I want to engage more with the community mate um, I mean we've been doing real good on the podcast kind of front online and um, we've been getting some good responses but I really would like to just get out and talk with the uh, some more some more people from the engineering community whether that be in a university level a committee kind of level or whatever it might be I'm just really keen to have more conversations in the engineering community not just from me educating other people which I still have a lot of learning to do myself it's probably more so me learning from other people we've got so much to learn in this industry and every single person I think whether it be young or old can learn something else from someone and to be able to get out there and talk with our community that we have I just think cannot be a bad thing so I'm really yeah. keen to get out and do more events and things like that for sure that's my yeah cool man cool. what about you yeah, I mean, I definitely agree um, just with the point you're making there. And mm. with the community engagement, um, I think every engineer knows the first major decision they make in their career is their discipline, right? Yeah. And um, and it's absurd, and I don't know how we could ever improve it, but it's such a crazy thing that you have to choose your main discipline after only one year of university, which and, just blows me away. And who know? are you talking so, to when you're making these decisions? You're talking to your mom, you're talking to your dad, people who haven't been in the industry, generally speaking. Yeah, or your mates, you know, like, what do you like? What subject? Yeah, that's did you right. Like this, did you like the static subject? Oh, you could do civil. Did I, you like yeah. the... I want to so, find I want to find young Jack Orbort who's at um, UQ or whatever university he's at right now and get in his face, get in his grill and go, mate, tell me what you like. All right, what 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 are you enjoying? Okay, awesome. You're gonna love doing this in industry. You should have a look at this. Have you heard of this opportunity? Get into that. That's that's yeah, my exactly. big goal. I really exactly. want to do. Yeah. That. So um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great opportunity for us to actually um, visit some universities, uh, showcase our, our podcast and, and our colleagues to these kids. Uh, these young students so that they can actually see uh, what disciplines and then the specialisations are actually out there for them uh, and the opportunities that actually await them as well so they can make the right decision um, choosing the right discipline and then hopefully helps them to the right career. So, mate, I definitely love those. Um, Two of my goals, real short and sweet. Um, Want to get our podcast and want to get the engineers out on more platforms. Um, You know, obviously LinkedIn is super powerful and and we're really appreciative of everyone that's really supported us um, in our in our uh, posts on LinkedIn, um, but we want to uh, allow our, our, our followers to actually listen to our podcasts easily and regularly. So um, I'm uh, working really hard. Both of us are really working really hard on getting onto Spotify, um, getting onto uh, Apple Podcasts, yep. um, maybe Castbox. But uh, if there's any other major platforms where you get your podcast, please let us know. Um, so that we can actually get out there and, and get them to you easily and regularly so you're not always stuffing around on our website, um, although it is quite a, quite a pretty website. So, um, <laughs> And uh, I, I suppose um, the second one for me, mate, I'd really love to have two, maybe, maybe three, um, like webinar, YouTube Live, Facebook Live-style panel events. And um, I suppose my whole reasoning behind this is you know, we do these awesome episodes with just one engineer and we find out their story and their tips and advice on, on how they've gotten to where they are today. Um, what I'd love to do is have three or four of these powerhouse engineers sitting down on a panel 
going throughout their career, giving us their tips and advice all together in one room on a live stream uh, and actually make it almost like a networking event as well. So we can have yep. young students, young professionals, intermediates, you know, all sorts of engineers maybe looking to change discipline, change specialization, you know, go from design to consulting or consulting to sales. Yep. Um, we want to be able to get all of these guys in a room so that they can actually learn from these powerhouse engineers uh, all at once and we can live stream it to all of our followers that can't make the event. Um, so that's something I've done through my committee work last year at Young Engineers. Uh, and I'd really love to do maybe two to three of these events uh, this year. So um, look out for those guys. I'm super yeah. keen uh, to be able to do a couple of uh, events to educate and network um, our young engineers and colleagues at the same time. Uh, we started this whole podcast with Change It Is uh, because we really wanted to show students and, and young professionals uh, what an engineer actually does every day. You know, that's the biggest problem. We had no idea when we finished university. And, um, you know, we, we just had to learn the hard way like everyone else. Uh, but that's really what we've created this podcast for is to help educate people on the different disciplines and the different specialisations um, that you can choose and all the opportunities that are actually out there for you because of that. And um, I know Jack has, has obviously learned a lot, uh, mate, with, with your, uh, your your role at Wholesome. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think you've learned a lot. And, and I think what we've done, uh, you know, as a, as a result of starting this podcast, we've met so many people, talked to so many people and, and extended our network that um, we actually hear through the grapevine all of these really fantastic little opportunities coming up um, that you might not have heard of, um, you know, yourself, obviously just, just finished university. So we thought we would love to be able to help people um, find the perfect opportunity for them, you know. So um, what we'll be doing is uh, whenever we hear of fantastic opportunities coming up through all of our friends and colleagues in the engineering industry, um, we'll actually be chucking them up on our website. Um, so if you're interested, please head to our website, check out any really cool opportunities uh, that are coming up that you might hear about in our podcast and, uh, and contact us uh, if you want to have, uh, you know, hear, hear about it anymore. We just want to be transparent. We want to show you what the, uh, the everyday role sort of entails. And, um, and we thought, well, we hear about all these awesome opportunities. We, we, we might as well show, share with you guys. Um, you know, so that you can really, I suppose, choose the, the job or the career or the, the position that, you know, you love and that you really interest you. So, oh, mate, um, and what I'd add to that, just to finish off that point, because I'm really yeah. excited about it, is it, it isn't where you're on, you're on somewhere and you're applying and there's 3,000 other people that might be applying for a graduate program with you. This is like little inside, um, little opportunities that we're hearing through the grapevine that maybe only a few people have heard about and we really want to be able to, um, share that with you guys. I mean, if you're committed enough to your career to be listening to something like this, we really feel like you deserve the, the upper hand, you know, to be able to chase yes. them down. So, yeah, really yeah. excited to be able to share that with you guys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and just before we get on to, to Drew's episode, um, just wanted to highlight for you guys um, a couple of really fantastic episodes we've got coming up. Um, now, yeah, if you've definitely. seen our website, you would have seen, or, or, our, or our SoundCloud, you would have seen um, we've had quite a few really powerhouse young engineers, young professionals um, that we've interviewed. But um, I'm, I'm really happy and proud to say that we've got three, um, two per personal friends uh, and one's a great uh, colleague that I've actually been referred to. But um, three really fantastic uh, powerhouse engineers that have got 10 to 15 years experience. Uh, and they're all actually in really three really different uh, disciplines and industries. Um, first off is Aaron Fraser, a good friend of mine. Um, he's actually based out of New York City now, and he's actually a senior sales engineer uh, with Siemens, and he works all in their rail systems. So that's super interesting to see how he's actually made the international jump over to, um, you know, the Big Apple. Um, Darren Mankerville is uh, actually chief engineer for Caterpillar, and uh, he's actually got the electrical background like me. So it'd be super interesting to see how, um, and, he, and he tells all the crazy stories about Cambodia, Africa, He's literally been everywhere, so you, you know, literally your head will spin when you hear his episode. Mm. And um, Nikki Watson, and um, really, she is a she is a crazy, like really, really passionate and, and motivated woman. And um, I've actually got referred to do, do an episode with her through Train, uh, my good friend at YEAQ. And um, she's uh, previously a mechanical engineer, but she's actually in a user a user interface design. And um, she actually works at Joseph Mark now, but um, she. Previously worked at Deloitte, and um, she's actually uh, the founder of Ladies That UX or Ladies That User Interface, and um, that's all about designing like government portals, university portals, all of those websites we have to interact uh, and work with. So those are three fantastic episodes that are probably be coming up in the next month or so. Um, 
with guys that are at that middle level. You know, they've got 10, 15 years experience. They're still young and they're still hungry to learn, but they're going to be the, the next VPs, the next CEOs uh, in the next five to 10 years again. So they're really fantastic episodes. Uh, I'm super keen to actually get out to you guys to show you uh, where you can look and aim for um, in the next five to 10 years of your life. So, um, yeah, they're fantastic. But um, that's, I think that's our sort of intro for the year, Jackie, if we'll get all of that out of the way. Um, yeah, let's get I'd back say to that colours it for sure. For. Definitely. Yeah, let's get back to what we're here for. Well, and, I mean, uh, Drew, Drew Lehman. Oh, mate, what an episode this was. I was, yeah, so happy that we managed to get this one done because Drew... Um, has been someone I've known for a while and I just knew she was going to um, make waves when she entered the industry. She's been working for Broad Spectrum now for the better part of two years and she's just uh, completed her graduate program with them. So she took us through, when we uh, interviewed her for the episode, she took us through our whole journey, um, that being starting at university, um, applying at Broad Spectrum. She actually made some really good points in that when she applied for the job, she specifically only applied for one or two jobs and one of them was Broad Spectrum. Um, a little bit different to some approaches a lot of, um, I know my colleagues have done, where they've just mass applied to companies and just gone, oh, I hope I get into one. She specifically said, I really want to work for Broad Spectrum. I know what they do. Um, I'm quite passionate about it. And I want to work for them. And it really paid dividends for her. Um, and so she's yeah, done... she, re- she really followed like her, her, I suppose, her ethics and her values yep. and, uh, and really chose the company that matched her. So um, yeah, I don't think that's for everyone and, and, and everyone makes their own decisions about it, but she's done what she thought was best and I think that's really paid off uh, for her. So, oh, and it, it shows um, straight away, even the way her demeanour and the way that she talks, um, you can just tell that it is quite genuine and what she's doing, uh, she does really love and enjoy and um, it goes without saying, um, she talked a lot about her three rotations that she's done. So just to list them off quickly, first one was out in Chintilla, a drive-in, drive-out kind of site engineer uh, rotation, which will be quite interesting for anyone looking at that kind of work. Uh, second one down in Albury, Wurronga. Uh, Am I saying that right, Lewis? I'm not. I'm not from that part of the world. Aubrey Wodonga, mate. Wodonga. Wodonga. Aubrey Wodonga is the the border town from Victoria, New South Wales. Um, where they've got the big defence sites. So um, she obviously did a lot of defence work yeah, there. Yeah, defence work down there, yeah. She can talk a little bit about that, but um, obviously, guys, you know, the, the defence work is super sensitive, so she couldn't explain everything. Yeah. Um, and, and then, then back the to Sydney, was, hey? Yeah, she was back in back in the Sydney office, back in the big smoke, and um, she was actually doing a lot of, uh, I suppose, operations and process uh, optimization mm. yep. uh, in the business and improvement team. Really and, interesting uh, to see the transition between going from site back into the office, and she talks a lot about that on yeah. um, kind of her challenges that she's faced going back into the office. But And yeah. also, it seems like now she's um, moving on from her graduate program, and she's decided that she wants to get back out into site, and she's really seen the value yeah. of site work and kind of what that can bring and she's kind of reserving the office kind of side of things for later in her career. Maybe later in life, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, very so, I mean, Yeah, and, and she's, she, she's a mechanical engineer by trade, but um, she obviously studied with you, Jack. But the, the thing I loved and the biggest takeaway for me from, from this episode was, uh, number one, her humility. Um, she's obviously young professional, young female engineer, going out into the middle of Chinchilla, middle of Queensland, and, um, you know, she was a very bright student, had very high scores, did the honours program and this and that. She easily could have gone in being quite arrogant or quite sure of herself, being intelligent and saying, hey, I know this, I know this, I know this. Mm, but mm. she was literally the polar opposite. And, and it's what I loved in that she, uh, although you obviously go through hard times in any job, um, she was really met with welcoming open arms by so many people because she had such a fantastic open mind and just humble mentality that I can learn from everyone. And I have been an engineer for half a second. So I'm going to listen with two ears and speak with one mouth and uh, she's she's done fantastic wherever she's gone in her three rotations. And um, Matt, honestly, Drew Lehman, uh, earmark her because she will be a big project manager. She'll be a big business unit manager, and she might be the VPs and the CEOs in the 15 to 20 years time because she's so humble, so intelligent, uh, motivated, and she will she will do big things. So uh, keep an keep an ear out or an eye out for Drew Lehman. So, oh mate, if but, I could um, invest in Drew Lehman shares, I'd be doing it right now. Uh, it's a red hot <laughs> investment. All right, well that, that's that's enough cheese for me today. So guys, get into the episode. Listen listen to it, and, and as we always hop on, um, please give us your recommendations. Um, who do you want to hear from? What type of engineer? What type of company do you want to hear from? 
um, let us know, likes, recommendations, give it to us, um, or hit us up at thepretengineers at gmail.com um, or on our LinkedIn or our socials as usual. But again, thanks guys for supporting us and, and uh, we really appreciate your support going into 2019. Um, it's going to be a massive, massive year for our growth. Um, we're actually mm. looking uh, at a really awesome collaboration with Engineers Australia as well. So there's awesome things coming up. But um, yeah, I'll shut up. Enjoy the episode and uh, again, guys, thanks for supporting us. Thanks, guys. Well, um, welcome back to another episode with the Pretend Engineers. And uh, this afternoon, we're sitting down with Drew Lehman one of my best friends from uni, I would confidently say, and someone that I am absolutely ecstatic to interview on this thing because she's seriously one of the most humble but yet most intelligent people you'll ever meet. Um, so, Drew, welcome, and it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here. Thank you for welcome the intro. Welcome to the Engineers, and um, just for the record, uh, everyone, Jack actually told me I was the best university friend, so, um, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. that awkward. Awkward. Yeah, really awkward. Well, this yeah. has started. No, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thanks, thanks very much for, for coming on. Uh, Drew, really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I think um, we were talking just at the start of this, um, just before, and um, uh, Ryan and I both kind of emphasised the fact on having kind of like at these kind of events and stuff that um, especially Ryan kind of talks about at Engineers Australia or whatever it might be having um, like an elevator pitch and I guess um, basically what that is is your name, your position, um, kind of what your interest might be and all those kind of things and yeah I was just wondering Drew if we could maybe just get like a little quick summary about what you're all about and um, where you're at at the moment. Yeah absolutely. Um, so as Jack Arias said I'm Drew Lehman. I am a mechanical engineer and I'm currently on the graduate program at a company called Broad Spectrum. Mm -hmm. And my current role is I'm a graduate engineer on our innovation team. But within the Spectrum grad program, I've actually rotated around three different roles across the last two years. Amazing. And oh. it's a two-year program, hey? Yep. Two years, three rotations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, go on, Ryan. Oh, I was just going to say, so uh, for everyone out there that doesn't know Drew, where does that great accent come from? Give us a, a bit of your background <laughs> and, and your, where you're from, I suppose. Yes, yeah, so, um, I'm actually originally from the Philippines, so misleading American accent. I am from Asia. <laughs> um, and I grew up there till I was about 12, and then I moved to Australia, and I did my high school and university here, and I've been here ever since. Super cool. Awesome. Amazing. I think my my question first up is kind of like why engineering and why did you choose engineering? I know you personally, and I know you're a very creative person. I, you're an amazing artist, and um, <laughs> I kind of yeah, I, it's kind of something I even ask myself like why did Drew choose engineering out of all the things she could have chosen? Well, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to interrupt because mm. I am stalking her LinkedIn, and for anyone oh, yeah. that doesn't know. Um, <laughs> Drew Lehman is a bit of a superwoman. So she was a mentoring captain, senior leader, senior <laughs> softball captain, peer support mentor, and response leader. So my number one question is, why are you not the Prime Minister of Australia? <laughs> first of all, first of all, yeah. <laughs> Politics. <laughs> not in my interest range. <laughs> uh, fair um, enough. Yeah, so, so why did you do engineering? Um, well, Jack is right. Like, I, I love the creative side of things. I love art. Like, that's definitely my biggest hobby. And yeah. in high school, I actually wanted to become an artist. Nice. Um, and up until grade two, I know, very different engineering. <laughs> yeah. um, but honestly, in high school, I just, it's going to sound really nerdy, but I love math. I love physics. Uh, my physics and math teachers were pretty much my favorite teachers. Awesome. And my physics teacher was actually an electrical engineer. Hmm. And um, he kind of suggested that it could be a good path for me. And it helped that my middle sister was also a civil engineer. Mm. And, yeah, so I kind of just fell in love with math and physics. And I was told that you could still be creative in engineering because it is about problem solving and creative thinking. And, yeah, I went into that, and I haven't looked back since. <laughs> Fantastic. And Ryan, I, um, you you probably wouldn't have remembered this because I spent a lot more time at uni with uh, Drew, but she's someone who 
rocks up to class for five, ten minutes, absorbs <laughs> just a little bit, and then goes home, and then comes to the exam and gets a seven. Uh, and you're sitting there going, what? Yeah. And, yeah, it's just so yeah, natural to her, it's not even funny. Yeah. <laughs> Which we're forgetting to add in, Jared, because I spent a lot of all-nighters. Well, yeah, we did forget about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just last-minute effort. <laughs> yeah, true, whereas I'd be a consistent freak out the whole semester. <laughs> Drew, um, obviously, you did, you did really well at school. You had a really high, I suppose, finishing score. Um, did you go to university straight out of high school and did you you know find the transition quite easy and, and can you I suppose speak a bit about that and, and how you prepared for university and that sort of stuff? Yeah um, so no I didn't go straight into university so I decided to take a gap year. Yeah. Um, I think my gap year was a little bit boring compared to some of my other classmates so I spent the first six months working and then I spent the last six months I went back home to the Philippines to visit some family. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. It was a nice break from studying, um, yeah. which probably did make it a little bit harder to get into the swing of studying again in university. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the, the hardest part of that transition was um, in high school, you have to be there every day. You have to do the work every day. Yeah. And as Jack mentioned, I probably didn't show up to all my <laughs> classes <laughs> for all of my classes. And... <laughs> That, that, that was probably the hardest part for me, self-regulating <laughs> my learning schedule. <laughs> so basically, you're just telling us you've got like a photographic memory. You just went in there, you like read the whole book in about five minutes, and you're like, yeah, cool, I'll ace this class, I'll just leave. That's only. No, like I said, a lot of late-night cram sessions before exams. Yeah, you weren't pretty out of the late nights. <laughs> it was an excuse to eat snacks. <laughs> And I think for both of you guys, obviously both studying mechanical, what, what you know, we've talked, and Jack's actually talked about why he chose mechanical. Um, what, if, you're, if your middle sister, I think you said, was a civil engineer, what, what sort of led you to mechanical and why did you both enjoy that, I suppose, especially at the start? You know, for, for people that have done their first year and then they're like, okay, cool, I'm in my second year, starting my mechanical discipline, starting off. If both yep. of you can, I suppose, comment what, why and, and what did you love and what didn't you love, I suppose, about second-year engineering, which is when you first start your, your discipline specialization? Yes. Um, so actually, in first year, I was heavily considering electronic engineering um, or electrical engineering. Yep. But I took one generic class in electrical engineering, which Jack would have done with me. <laughs> and that, that changed my mind. Like, I love math. I do not like electrical engineering. <laughs> it does not make sense in my head. Uh, and I think that's what I liked about mechanical. It was it had the physics side of it. It was heavily mathematical, but it was a lot more tangible in my head in the application. And um, yeah. I also liked that it was so broad. Like you did material sciences, you did hydrodynamics and fluids, and you did um, physics and things on machinery. So for someone who had no idea what they wanted to do when they came out of engineering, um, I like that it was quite broad. I think it was quite similar yeah. in that respect, say, that it, it is quite so broad that you can choose so many things, but it's actually one of the tough things about a mechanical degree as well because you get out and then you go, oh, now what do I choose? I've got a million <laughs> things to choose from. <laughs> and you're left sitting there just going, oh, crap. So, um I didn't make a decision in uni, I put it off, and now I've graduated and I've got a million more decisions to make. So I think I kind of talk um, myself about maybe civil might have been better for me because then I just know exactly what I was doing and there's no ifs or buts about it. But um, Concrete and building. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, mechanical's amazing like that because you can choose so many different things and I think kind of like if we decided we wanted to go into another field, it is quite easy, whereas if we had civil degrees, it might be a little bit more difficult. Like um, right. one of our friends, Tim, he's doing building services at the moment, and he's thinking about going back and doing some electrical studies to go and um, kind of complement it with an electrical degree, and that's quite easy to yeah. do from a mechanical side, whereas if you had a civil yeah. degree, it's a lot harder, I think. Mm. But yeah. And I think... Um I think uh, as a lot of grads and everyone listening will get into engineering, um, a big, I suppose, sub-discipline or, or group of disciplines is what you call your MEP. So that's your mechanical, your electrical, and your plumbing. So that's a mm -hmm. lot of 
buildings, but you think about like transport, your tunnels. You know, I, I just I just did a, a tender design for um, uh, the you know the new rail job in Brisbane. Um, so yeah, that, that MEP, and I think what you're saying, Jack, is really correct. Where the mechanical and the electrical really work together really well. So I think that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I might be skipping. Let me know if I'm skipping ahead of you there, Ryan. But I'd love to just hear about like just after university too. So like once we got to graduation, all graduate, all happy, yay! Like, this, um, how many jobs did you apply for? And were you just pursuing just one job? Was broad spectrum the only thing you were pursuing? Or did you apply for a whole bunch and kind of just hope one would reply back kind of thing? How would you go about the job application process? Um, so honestly, I was I was pretty picky in what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my head I wasn't, like I was really adamant that I didn't just want to find a job. Yep. I wanted to commit to a place where I could build my foundations as an engineer and as a professional. Awesome. And to me that meant finding That's a amazing. place I felt like I fit in, in terms of culture, in terms of values. And so I think I only applied to maybe five different companies. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and I picked them based on uh, the fields they were working in, what I was interested in professionally, but also um, how they kind of appeared culture and value-wise. And, yeah, that's pretty much broad spectrum was probably my top pick. Because, um, yeah, I read through their, their culture, their values. They really value diversity and integrity. And, yeah, to me, that was really important. So, um, yeah, so I definitely just went for a few. Yeah. Cross my fingers. <laughs> to, um, to link that in, uh, Drew, um, I can see, obviously, you did Griffith Honors uh, College, and, and I didn't even know this existed, so that shows you how good of a student I am. But the Golden <laughs> Key Honors Society, um, I suppose just linking it back into what Jack said, you know, doing Honors College and stuff, do you think that, you know, you were happy to, to add that honours to university and then now talking about what jobs you've applied for and did the, those prospective companies talk to you about, you know, the honours work you did in the interviews and, and can you speak about that a bit? Um, honestly, it wasn't a huge factor Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the ex- extracurriculars. One thing, um, so as part of the Bachelor of Mechanical with Honours, we do our thesis project. And I found that um, that was actually what one of the big talking points were. They were quite interested in uh, the research side of what I did. Um, And what what was your research again, for those who might have forgotten? Um, I swear I remember, I swear I remember. (laughs) (laughs) True friendship test here, Jack. (laughs) Um, So my project was based around creating a patient-specific surgical jig for um, surgery. Mm-hmm. So we would we would model the bones. We would then, based on those models, create a physical jig customized to those bones. Um, so you could place it on the bone theoretically, and then know exactly where to cut and exactly where to drill. Yeah. Insane. Wow. Yeah. It's really interesting. <laughs> and um, biomedical engineering, kind of, they're not quite mechanical. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, getting some sort of experience outside of that mechanical range or tangential to that mechanical engineering range um, was really beneficial. No, so cool. And the thing that, um, just going back to the recruitment kind of side of things that we were talking about before, the thing that always really interests me is how companies go about recruiting people. So, like, you applied, obviously, maybe online or that kind of thing, and then kind of what was the process from applying all the way to actually getting the job and going in on your first day? So did you have like a full day interview or did uh, what did they make you do? Yeah, um, so the first stage was an online test. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those big psychometric testing where you never know if you're wrong or right. <laughs> so is that like um, a worded response or what kind of questions come up in those things? It was a lot of, it was like um, abstract thinking. So find the pattern. Um, Okay. What number do you see in all of these dots and that sort of stuff? Yeah, like if, if this is the first picture, this is the second picture, what's the third picture type of thing? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, again, don't know if you're wrong or right, but I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing I got the job, so I think I got some of them right. <laughs> um, and then after that, after a lot of excited jumping from me, um, mm. there was a video interview nice. with pre-recorded questions. So I had to sit in front of my computer 
the question would pop up on my screen, and then I would have um, a certain amount of time to respond to the question. I think there are four questions in total. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there was a one-on-one interview. Oh, sorry, well, three of them, one of me, yeah. um, face-to-face interview. And then that was the final stage before um, your medical assessment and then receiving an offer. Wow. So you just drove up for like a one-hour interview kind of thing and that was it at the end? Yep. Yep. Awesome. I like it. It's a bit different now. Um, so in the, so I actually have helped in the future iterations of the grad program I'm in. Yep. Um, and now they do a, a group assessment center and that's a full-day event with multiple candidates. Yeah, okay, that's what my company does. Yeah. 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 So you actually, you actually contribute, like, do you work, that's pretty amazing. So you actually work with what, the HR guys and I suppose the the hiring managers, the engineering managers, and you actually contribute to the, I suppose, the systems and the methods they now use to recruit grad engineers. And you've been there all of, you know, less than two years. Yeah, so they, they're, they're very um, interested in hearing our opinions, our feedback, and they're very um, enthusiastic about us getting involved with the messaging and sharing our experiences. And one way we do that is by going to the assessment centers for the next round of graduates and um, answering questions, having a chat, leading them to the next activity. Um, because it is – my graduate program is quite community-based, so um, – I was part of the 2017 intake, but we actually have a lot of training and conferences with the 2018 intake, and they do that um, every year with a new grad. Yeah, right. So we do interact across the intake, which is really good. I was was just going to say that's quite similar to us as well, and I think that's something that's really commendable to companies who are doing that in that um, we actually have, I think it was um, halfway through this year, they flew us all down to Melbourne and we kind of had like a like a catch-up kind of thing with all the graduates and it's really to kind of like establish a network in the company. So if I've got a problem in one section of the business and there's another graduate in another in that section of the business and I need a hand in, I can give them a call up and go, hey, how do you guys solve this? Or I've got this issue, what, what do you think? And it's like a really good way to build up networks within the business, and then we've kind of got Absolutely. all these thing, all these people situated all all across the country, really. And um, that being said, when you go and you meet someone at like an interview or something like that, and they're all shy and timid, um, I remember at my interview I met one of the older grads, and we're kind of like best buds kind of thing, just because we kind of knew each other from that day, and he was one of the first people I met at the assessment center. So it's amazing networking, I think, and I think it's really smart from the companies to do it that way, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. That's fascinating. Mm. No, it's awesome. Yeah, wow. Um, the, uh, we can get back to this question afterwards, Drew, but a question I've actually been pondering myself a lot recently, and I've been speaking with a few of the other grads in our program, is um, kind of... As a graduate, you're put into a business and say we're, we're both doing a similar kind of setup where it's two years and you rotate it through business units and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And you're basically almost paid to learn. Sure, you contribute and you do a lot of uh, work for the company and like I still do big hours and do those kind of things. But at the end of the day, you're being really paid to learn. And that can actually be quite tough because all of a sudden you go home and you're like, did I really achieve much today? Like what did I bring for the company? And I was just going to ask, so as a graduate, how do you um, kind of justify or feel that you're making an impact on the company? Should you be feeling that? Or is it something that you just need to, you cop it for two years and you go, I'm just learning for two years? Or is there a way that you kind of go, no, no, I'm making an impact this way? Yeah, that's a really good question because um, that's something I've, I've definitely struggled with. Like, mm. if I don't feel like I've added value to my team, yep. um, like, I find that really difficult. And um, in some cases, like, I understand that we're there to learn. And sometimes being there to learn, asking the stupid questions, <laughs> um, can prompt someone who's experienced to think about something in a different way and a new perspective. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll start spark value from that. And I think there is value there. Um, and I think as a graduate, without a doubt, some days will come out going, what am I contributing here? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, um, 
it's great to get new perspectives into a company. It's get, great to get people who are going to ask the question that people probably think they already know the answer to. And um, aside from that, there's always projects. But you can always offer to help on something. And I think that's something that I've tried to really do, even yeah. if it's something really small, like, do you need me to do the PowerPoint for that? Do you need me to make a template for this? Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Something as small as that, if I'm helping someone in my team, even if it's quite a menial task, um, it frees up a lot of time in their day. So I think it's just looking for those opportunities, whether it's small, whether it's big impact, um, just trying to be aware of the people in your team and see where you can help. I love do you, it. Um, do, you, do you think, uh, I suppose for both of you, because it's slightly different at GHD, but um, do you think for both of you going to those different service groups or different you know, business units, as you call them, do you, as you, I suppose, get experience, set expectations for yourself? And then also do the, those direct managers, do you think they do at each of your companies a really good job of setting expectations for you? And, and like, you know, okay, you've, you've just started, you've, you've been six or eight months in the one team, you're now coming to my team. I expect mm-hmm. you to do this, this, this by week one or this, this, this by week, you know, a month one. And then so for both of you, I suppose, I, I pose the question, do they manage your expectations well and, and making sure that you've got little goals to hit as you become more and more confident? Yeah, so I, I think, honestly, it, it depends on your manager. Um, and I haven't come across a manager who wasn't equally supportive of understanding that, I mean, you do this, and it's okay if I'm a bit slow to start, um, but also who was okay with giving me projects to run with and giving me milestones so I could add value in some way. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Can you, um, I suppose, I mean, we've already, we've already sort of mentioned for both of you that you've, you've gone through your, your rotations. Can you, um, I suppose, touch on a little bit, and I understand that, you know, there are some aspects you can and can't talk about your job. You're, you are uh, an MI7 agent. Um, <laughs> but can, can you talk a little bit, Drew, about your, your three rotations to date and, and I suppose uh, your technical role or your title and then your every, you know, your day-to-day work and that sort of stuff? Yep. Um, so my first six months, I was a site engineer, I guess you could say, on our structural, mechanical, and piping contract out in Chinchilla. Um, and so we did the, we did maintenance and project work for our clients across well sites and processing plants. And um, that was out in Chinchilla. So that was yeah. a very um, different experience for me. First time out in industry. <laughs> yeah. doing drive in, drive out, 10 days on, four days off, living wow. in camp. Um, wow. And I, I loved it. It was very jarring experience, but it was it was really fun, and it was a great introduction to the industry. That's fantastic. And how did you – I was just going to ask, just um, especially as a female going out and a young person going out with mm-hmm. all these people, um, I don't want to stereotype, but it can be a bit rougher when you go out rurally in these cultures. Like, How did you cope with that? Was everyone really accommodating, or did you find that you had to almost toughen up a little bit? <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, they were really supportive, Yeah. really – yeah, really, really supportive team. And I don't know if that's indicative of the team I was on or the industry I was on, but I honestly had no issues. Um, yeah, awesome. In terms of coming out as a young engineer, I think the minute they realized I came out wanting to learn from them and not come out telling them what to do, <laughs> um, they were that's very grateful. Really yeah, absolutely. And they, they really appreciated that. And I really appreciated that because giving your time to someone to – teach them about what they do every day. Like, it, it takes a lot of time out of their day. So mm. I was appreciative of it. Um, and, yeah, so I, I absolutely loved the experience. And, yeah, it was great. Oh, I think that's cool. a really fantastic point that, that you make there, uh, Drew, because uh, I know, like, I've got quite a few tradesmen friends, uh, you know, that, that finished high school early and went to do trades. And there is, uh, you know, commonly a, a bit of a joking sort of, stigmatism between tradies and, and, and young engineers that, you know, the young engineers, they get a clipboard after being an engineer for two seconds and they're telling the tradesmen, you know, how he should really be doing his job. And, I mean, obviously it's, it's exaggerated, but uh, I think it's really key what you just mentioned there that, you know, you went in with a mentality that you wanted to learn from them. So they were really welcoming because it's humbling, you know, and then they're like, yeah, you obviously know a lot about this. I'm, I'd love to just learn from you. So. Yeah. 
if you go in with that mentality, then coming in with a really humble mentality, they won't, you know, they won't be rude to you or, you know, you know, be really rough with you because you've come in with the right mentality. So I think that's something that uh, a lot of people really should should listen and, and pick up on. So Yeah, absolutely. It's an amazing... And I think it is hard. Like yeah. Coming out as a young engineer, you kind of want to, you're young, you're coming out of the industry, you want to prove yourself. It's like, I know these things. Um, so I think sometimes it is hard to come in just willing to go, actually, I don't know this. Can you tell me? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, what about the what about the second rotation then after I'd say six months uh, out in Tinchilla? And and I suppose just just to finish that, how did you go? Did you do ten days on, four days off for six months straight? And and how was that? Just finishing that off, I suppose. Yeah, I actually I loved it. Like four days off is great. <laughs> <laughs> I had a long weekend every two weeks, so I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, yeah, the days were probably a bit longer than other roles in the industry. Like we pre-start at six forty-five. And yeah. we get off around 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but once you get into the swing of things, 10 days straight is not a lot. Like most of the crew on that site work two weeks straight. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. But, yeah, it can get a bit tiring. But with four days off, I was pretty grateful. Mm. Your charge, yeah. Yeah, cool. What, what was the next stop? Um, so then I did my next six months. I relocated to Aubrey-Wadonga, as the locals call it. Aubrey wow. on the New South Wales side, Wodonga on the Pretoria side. Yeah. Um, and I worked as a site engineer on one of our defense contracts there, where we do maintenance and servicing work. Nice. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, my main role there was we had a continuous improvement program. So a lot of the crews would come out with um, new ways to do things or new tools to use and that sort of thing. Um, and I would support them by creating the engineering drawings, helping them scope that out. Okay. Yeah. So as a um, site engineer for Broad Spectrum, uh, from what you've told me anyway, there is still quite a bit of design work and stuff that goes on, um, I guess, on site. But do you find that there's a lot of kind of people management and administering contracts and contractor management and that kind of stuff? Or is it more so you're dealing on the engineering side of things? I think it really depends on the industry and the role. Mm-hmm. Um, as a site engineer, I think it would be a lot more in the project management space than the technical space. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But we do have roles and um, within our business that more heavily into the design, the consultancy, engineering side. But yeah, I've mostly been involved with the project management side. Nice, I like it. And then, um, well, that covers it for me, women's. Unless you have another question, but where was the well, uh, final rotation? And I was just going to say, for, for that second one, um, when you were talking about, you know, doing engineering drawings for certain aspects, and I know it's a defense job, so you can, you're limited in what you can say, but was that like on the mechanical, electrical, plumbing side, or like in terms of just the, the, the to give people an idea of your mechanical aspect and that, what, what sort of things can you explain on that? Um, it was mostly just um, tools to facilitate how they did maintenance work. So I'd say mostly okay. mechanical stuff. Yeah, nothing too technical, basically. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, yeah, the third stop then, where you're obviously currently there now then? Yes, so um, I've been in Sydney now. I relocated again since February. And um, I'm taking a turn in the head office now, so no more steel caps or high vis. And I'm working on um, the innovation team for my business. And while it's not quite uh, an engineering role, it's um, a lot of project management. So we have a few innovation initiatives across our business, and um, I help support those and manage those and um, connect people across our business who can contribute to those solutions. Yeah. And yeah, I make cool. a lot of PowerPoints. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of smiles. So, so, it, <laughs> so it, it, I suppose, um, is that sort of like where, like you were saying, you connect people from different aspects. So someone is using, let's say, tool A and they've used that tool A to do tool job A for the last 10, 15, 20 years. So mm-hmm. they're a bit of a veteran in that type of job that they've done for so many years, whether he's a mechanical tradie or an electrician or, you know, whatever. But then you're actually help connecting his experience working in that role with the innovation team to be able to create a better tool. So it becomes tool B and it does the job more efficiently. Is that a, is that a broad but generalistic way to explain it? I think 
kind of, is my technical <laughs> term for it. Um, so it's, it's less about the tool and connecting to the challenge, I think, specifically. Okay. Um, so we're, what we really try and do is we connect with our contracts and see what their challenges are and then go out and see who can contribute to that, whether yeah, it's the person who's been here for 20 years who knows that particular tool and can add it, or it's our engineering consultancy business who can provide technical solutions, or if it's an external vendor. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Hmm. And um, I suppose the question probably Jack and both, both of us have then as well is, now you're, you're, what, you're close to finishing up, it's nearly, it's what, start of December, what, what are your thoughts after doing the three rotations and packing up your life and moving all, all across <laughs> Australia? What are your thoughts now, um, finishing up the rotation and where you've lived and what you want to do? Like, I mean, you know, what, 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 are you, what are you thinking of looking going forward? Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed my time as a site engineer. Um, and I think it's really important to gain that operational experience as much as I've enjoyed my time in the head office. Um, I think it's good to get that experience under my belt. So I'm currently pursuing a role in the research industry um, within hopefully the engineering space again. Sorry, can you just repeat that? Resources industry. Which one was that? Resources. Sorry, resources. Oh, resources. Sorry, sorry, I completely missed that. Yeah, my bad. Okay. No worries. Is it the accent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'd really like to get um, site operational work within uh, the resources industry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that may be mean relocating again, even though I've realized I missed home. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that that's part of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll be such a better engineer for it by it, not only um, what you'll learn, but the networks you'll build across the country and just by forcing yourself to go and do these things. I guess it's super tough, but like you said, you'll get back to the head office one day or wherever you end up, and boy, you're going to be a well-educated engineer, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I think that... Sorry. Mm, no, you go on. I was going to say, like, I think that's, that was a like been a real key takeaway for me this last year yeah. is um it's easy to stay in the comfortable and the the easy parts yep um and so i think there's real value in kind of looking at the opportunities that make you just a little bit nervous <laughs> and make you a little bit uncomfortable yeah um, and being okay to go try that out. So I think that's the best way to learn one of my um favorite quotes of all time it's so simple but it, i absolutely adore it is if it scares you, you should probably do it. And I, just, oh, I love that quote. I absolutely adore it. And it's just something that I think you're kind of embodying around your life at the moment in pursuing these kind of positions. And, yeah, I, I couldn't commend you enough for doing that kind of thing. Um, Ryan, if you'll allow me, I've just got one more burning question that I want to ask. Oh, mate, we're, <laughs> we're, 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 partners, we're partners in this, mate. You don't need to know. <laughs> mate, this one's burning. Um, I mean, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of work on site at the moment and coordinating kind of um, concrete pours and whatnot. And one thing that I'll often find when I get to um, maybe a site on our business, our business is um, pretty big nationally, and also we could get to a customer site or someone we're um, contracting with or whoever it may be, and you'll arrive, and um, being a site engineer, you're um, oftentimes expected to lead a small team or whatever it might be, um, and it, the culture might be off, or there's a bad kind of vibe on the site or wherever you're working, and I, there's a lot of kind of conflicting opinions on how this does or does not work, but um, for me, I always kind of burn on the question on how do you change a culture if the, if you arrive to a negative culture on site with the team that's got a negative kind of culture can you change that culture or does it need to be rebuilt from the ground up what do you think on that yeah okay <laughs> thanks, thanks for throwing the easy question <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, uh, i'm chucking uh, all the philosophical questions at you tonight drew <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I love the question, first of all, because I think team culture is such an important part. Like, if, if your team environment isn't a good place to be in, you're not going to want to do a good job. You're not going to want to be at work. So I think it's really important. Mm. And um, I think, well, it would depend on how much influence you have. Like, as a leader, they say leadership culture 
top down, you can kind of cultivate that in your own team. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a lot harder as a graduate. Definitely, um, definitely. I, I think at the end of the day, it's about not letting that culture kind of permeate into you yeah. and just being true to how you want to go about today, how you want to do your work. And it can be really hard because mm. bad team cultures can get you down. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think definitely as a graduate, when you may not have as much influence to that side of things, um, I think the hardest and most important part is just staying true to how you want to behave and what kind of culture you want to emulate. I love that because yeah. at, at Wholesome we talk a lot about that as well, about authentic leadership and being an, an authentic leader. And like you said, Absolutely. it's yeah, um, not really pretending to be anyone. And I find that that's so hard in this day and age when we're surrounded mm. by Instagram and Facebook and whatever else it might be. We pretend, and um, no pun intended on the title of this podcast, but um, yeah, we often can get caught up in pretending to be these kind of um, big um, leaders or whatever that we might not actually feel 100% comfortable with, and yeah, like you said, just being like yourself and um, being authentic, I think it's just one of the biggest keys in that kind of thing, for sure. I reckon you hit the nail on the head by saying that, for sure. Absolutely. Authenticity and consistency is so important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Definitely. Um, Ryan, you got a, you got any other burning questions, mate? I'm, I yeah, think I'll spat out mine. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> my philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ju we just matched the, the difficulty of the questions to the IQ of our interview. Yeah, so that's right. Actually, <laughs> actually, it's your fault. But no, I think I, we, we'll, I think we'll wrap up soon. But just one thing, I suppose I wanted to go back just to help some of the grads, I suppose, that are maybe doing mechanical engineering. Can you? And again, I know that you, you have some confidential work, but in each of the rotations you've had, these three rotations, can you, I suppose, think of one one problem you either stuffed up or it was very difficult, or you know, the, the bar was very high, and you were like, oh shit, I don't know if I can make this bar. I don't know if I can, uh, you know, I don't know if I can do this job. I don't know if I can do what is asked of me. Can you maybe identify just quickly, I suppose, one problem or learning, you know, lesson learned from each of those rotations and, and sort of just, I suppose, uncover to people, you know, where you might have fallen down and got back up or, or where you actually didn't believe you could do it and then you just surprise yourself because you're like, wow, I actually did deliver that when I when I doubted myself initially. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. And that goes back to, like, looking at the scary things and being okay with doing it sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, like, in my first rotation, I think possibly one of the most challenging, scariest moments is when they hand you your first project. <laughs> like, this is yours now. <laughs> like, I've only been here for three months. Um, and, yeah, so that was a really daunting task for me. It was a small scope, um, but still the moment where you're kind of given responsibility and ownership over something, I found that really challenging. Yeah, um, your baby. So it's like this yeah. little breathing, you know, talking baby. It's like, hold it like glass. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, like I felt like that, yes. It was my, it was a valve-changing project, I still remember. And, uh, but that valve is still there today, and it hasn't broken, has it? Hopefully. Good, good. Um, and I think, yeah, I think one part of that that was really important is just accepting the fact that I can ask questions, even if someone hands you responsibility or ownership over something. It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. So I think That's at amazing. first I was like, oh, should I be asking these questions? Like, this is my scope to look after. Is this a stupid question? Yeah. Um, I think you just have to get over that and go, no, if I don't know it, I'm going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds and, good. Yeah, so that was probably. And it worked out. So, happy ending on that one. And you still work um, there? So, you must have done a decent job. Yeah, not hard. <laughs> um, in defense, I think that one was, because it was a bit of engineering drawing and maybe a bit more technical than um, what I had envisioned I'd be doing, that was really daunting. Mm. And out of that one, I think I realized that one of the main challenges there was there wasn't a senior engineer to um, support me in that sort of range. Hmm. Wow. So it came to a point where, like, they asked me to do something. And, you know, I was looking at it. I'm like, really, a, a more senior engineer should be doing this. 
And by the end of it, I just have to go, look, I'm not qualified to do this. And that to me was really hard. Like I didn't want to disappoint them. I didn't want to admit that I couldn't do something. Um, But they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. Thanks for telling us. And I think you have to be okay with saying that sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Because sometimes we're not qualified to do the things. And if it's not in someone's area, they may not know that you're not qualified to do those things. I reckon yeah. that's, that's so on the money. Right. I reckon that's like one of the leading causes of uh, like accidents uh, in like a safety. I'm just talking on like a safety culture. So many times I see like on our kind of sites, like people kind of pushing themselves, doing stuff just because they don't want to say, oh, no, I don't know how to do it. And they're almost yeah. too embarrassed or not humble enough to admit that maybe um, they don't know the right way. So they'll just guess it and give it a go. And that's kind of when, yeah accidents kind of happen and things like that and yeah absolutely. yeah for yourself if you're doing a full engineering design then yeah it can be 10 times worse so yeah definitely need to have that humility about you yeah, mm. and then and the last one i suppose um you know what you know you like you said it probably you know you did prefer the site work and and, and the office uh, thing maybe isn't quite your your piece of case but what was something you learned um you know, in, in the current role you have in Sydney now, what's or, or maybe a lesson learned or, or something like something you maybe discovered about yourself? Um, yeah, well, I've, I've actually really enjoyed off the side of it. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing, one thing I've learned about myself is I probably should have studied business as a second degree. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, an engineer going into a head office, um, and hearing finance terms and business case and <laughs> that was an extremely challenging thing. Um, and you yeah. pick it up as you go. <laughs> and everyone's willing to help me learn those sort of things, which is great. Um, but that was, yeah, kind of getting thrown into an environment I wasn't used to. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing I really learned, maybe not about myself, but about just working professionally, is the value of the knowledge that people have. Like, as an engineer, I kind of came out going, like, if you follow the process, the process will provide the information. Um, but so many times, like, the people within your organization who have been there for so long, um, they actually know things that's not part of the process. Mm. And it's been a really good learning experience for me, just building relationships and finding out these random bits of information that people know just because they've been doing the job for so long or they've been in the organization so long. And I think I didn't contribute as much value to that when I first came out of um, university, but it's actually been a really good source of learning for me. Yeah, that's fantastic. Amazing. That's really cool. And it's quite funny, like, uh, obviously I haven't, I haven't, uh, you know, I didn't study with you, I I haven't met you before, but straight away Jack said something about, you know, uh, one of the most humble people that, uh, you know, he's probably ever met or, or worked with or whatever or studied with and, I think if, you, if, if people are listening to this podcast later on, we'll, they'll definitely pick up. And I think the theme of this is, is not to, you know, throw smoke up your butt, but to really just say that it is humility. Everywhere you've been, you've had great receptions from the people that you've worked with, and that's because you've gone in with such a such a sound mentality. Like, hey, I don't know this, or I've got a lot to learn. These people here, I can use and help to do a good job, you know. And so you've always had good responses back to you, or maybe not perfect, but you know, you've had a lot of really good responses and people really willing to help you because you go into the right mindset. So I think that's something that's so key for a lot of grads and a lot of young people uh, that will listen to this is, is that thing. So if you, if you go into the right mindset, then people yeah. will more often than not welcome you in and support you because we've all been in that spot. You know, we've all been the rookie. We've all had our first day. You know, none of us, you know, we, we weren't born with all that experience. So I think that's, that's for me anyway, that's my, my key theme or takeaway from this interview so oh, definitely um, for myself um, as well couldn't agree more mate yeah definitely yeah Drew Lehman thank you so much for your time it's actually been a really pleasure and I'm actually really keen to meet you when either we, we catch back up on the Gold Coast or Brisbane or wherever you're going to be jet setting off to <laughs> next absolutely um, uh, I'm, I'm actually a bit jealous that that Drew uh, that Jack got to study with you. So we've time. had some yeah, we've had thanks. some good times together. That's for sure. Yeah, Chris and Simon they change friendships. <laughs> they make or break them. So, but, um, and I think as well, if you don't, if you don't mind, Drew, uh, maybe in in six to twelve months' time, once you've actually chosen that role out of your out of your rotations, uh, if we yeah. could catch back up with you again and see 
if you have made the right decision, if you're really enjoying it and stuff, we'd, we'd really be honored and really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. And I've really enjoyed being on today. So thank you for having me. Oh, you know, anytime. Thank you so much. Always welcome. Thank you, Drew. Mm-hmm.